The sun has left and forgotten me. It's dark, I cannot Your stories don't define you. How you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host and chief storymaker at Elkins Consulting. By now you know that this conversation is going to be an organic conversation, sharing stories, trying to understand more about who we are and what makes us tick. And if you've been listening for any length of time, you know that your stories offer a glimpse into who you are for other people. But what most people don't really understand is that their stories also give them information and evidence for their internal messages, for better and for worse. So the most important thing about your stories and how you share them is to know and be intentional about how you want to experience yourself and how others will experience you through your story. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Chase Dalton. He's calling in from Salt Lake City, Utah, and we already got started on a bit of a conversation about the fictions that surround where we live. Usually fictions come from fictional characters, movies, TV shows, and of course, the show Yellowstone came up about Montana. And I just know, listeners, you are going to enjoy the stories that Chase has to share with us. Chase, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, me too. So, well, let's let's jump in. Um, as you know, because you had that prep document, I love to start the conversation by um, asking my guests to share something about themselves that most people probably don't know about them, something not on their bio or their LinkedIn uh, profile. And I love our listeners to get just this glimpse again into your story so that they have more context and we can see you throughout our conversation as a multi-dimensional person. So yeah. where should we go from here? Well, something that, you know, I, I don't talk about a whole lot um, publicly or privately. Um, and, and so it's a, a little bit of a, of a, of a coming out party here for me um, publicly is um, I guess, I guess some, some people can, can infer I live in, I live in Salt Lake city, Utah. And if you look at a, at a LinkedIn profile, you might see BYU, you know, as my alma mater. Um, but I, I was raised in, in LDS faith, um, very staunch orthodox, however you want to put it, very, you know, conservative, uh, religious upbringing. Um, and, and for people who are familiar, it's, uh, it's there's a reputation you know with that and and a lot of a lot of unknowns and uh and things like that and um it's and it's also more than just a lot of times it's more than just a a religion or a belief there's there's a really a culture and uh that, that comes along with that um and an identity um and over the last few years or a few years ago um i decided to step away from that and and it's been a huge defining thing for me to step away from you know, my tribe, my community, my family, especially still living here in Salt Lake City, um, and to sort of redefine who I am and what my morals are, what my values are and what I stand for. And, um, and, and who am I outside of that? Where do I end and, and the church starts or, or the other way around? Um, and, and so, yeah, it's something that, you know, especially here in my, in my community, it's, it's not, a 
very celebrated topic, <laughs> um, you know, kind of looked down on. And so we, we try to, you know, and I'm also privileged enough to sort of present as Mormon <laughs> in a way. So, so I can fit so you in. You can I, fit in if you want to. If I need right. to. Right. Um, and, and so I recognize that that privilege there. But um, but but also it's uh, it's been um, a, a uh, interesting time for me. Um, and I, I love the person who I've I'm I am and who I've become um, through finding who I am as an individual um, and what that means to my family and, and everything. And so, um, but yeah, there, there are a lot of uh, preconceived notions about what that means and that people like, like we just talked about, I live in Salt Lake city. So uh, that means I have four wives and, <laughs> and 500 kids and, <laughs> and yeah, I drink her on Sunday and, and, you know, <laughs> and oh maybe I dance or drink soda or whatever the the common you know conceptions are misconceptions are out there um but yeah that that's something that that is a, is a big part of me that that well now you and, and all your listeners now outside of a you know a couple handfuls of people <laughs> wow chase i know you're you're chuckling um our listeners can't see your big smile as you're talking about this and I'm I'm hearing it from this place of joy and release, and I'm also hearing this edge of grief. Um, that's hard, and I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you sharing that. Partly because I know how hard it is to split off from all that you've known, all that you've experienced, and to be able to talk about it is just it's courageous and it may not feel like that to you but from an outsider who has seen that separation from as you've described the tribe um that's a big deal that's a really big deal uh yeah yeah it, it's uh time heals a lot um and and it's been a few years now and so i've been able to you know separate a little bit and have it make it be easier to talk about but um but you're right and it's really receptive of you to to point that out like it is it is exciting and it and it is freeing, but there's also yeah a grief of who of a past life almost um, of what I imagined what my life would be like and the direction it was going to go in and and even beyond that right like I had a I had a I had it all figured out I knew exactly right. you had what all I was the answers do after I died even you know as well <laughs> and, and now there's a giant question mark um, for everything and and learning to be okay with that and be okay with the unknown and. And uh, it has been uh, has been an interesting part of my story. Yeah. No kidding. Well, in some ways, it's the easier path to just stay with it. You know, um, I, I think about that. I met somebody when I worked with the city here in Helena, when I was mentioning that I had this sense of my father's presence after he died. And I was saying something about he just didn't seem at peace. Uh, my father was bipolar. So he never was he never was at peace necessarily through his life except when he was holding his grandchildren when they were babies i could definitely see a different side of him that i don't think he had been able to explore before that but um i remember thinking about how how different it was to have this experience of him not being at peace after his death and I was saying something, I don't even know why I was talking to this particular person about this, but everything was close to the surface after he died. Of course, I was grieving. But I remember this man saying, well, I'm I'm a Christian and I believe in purgatory and heaven and hell. And 
he said, it's just easier that way. And at that moment, I had to take a breath because I felt like a little judgy toward him. What do you mean? It's just easier that way. Like, what about all the questions? <laughs> Why would you take the easy route? It's so like, how, but you don't, what, you know, and, and I had that edge of, of judgment. And then it, seconds later, I felt this sense of calm come over me because I realized for so many people, life is so complicated. You have so many questions. Life is hard to be able to set aside that part to say, okay, I have the answers to those questions. So that that's off the table. That's off my plate. I don't have to think about it. It's already decided. I can yeah. imagine the comfort and peace that that brings to people. So to give that up, again, there's, I, I hear you is all, all I'm going to say about that topic again. Yeah, no, it, it, it can be terrifying. And from an anti, you know, being a little antagonistic is that they call, I've heard religion referred to as the opiate of the masses, right? It, it does. It, mm-hmm. it calms anxieties of, of what death and, and purpose on life, uh, what we're doing here and where did we come from? And, um, and, but, you know, through time, science has sort of explained some of those unexplainable things. And, but there's still some things that we, that it hasn't. Uh, right. That we'll like, never like, understand. <laughs> right. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think that's a really, you know, it's a, that's a valiant way to, to look at things, a very empathetic way to look at things like, Hey, life's hard enough. It's okay to kind of rest, rest on our haunches about something. <laughs> and, exactly. As long as it's not damaging other people or proselytizing to other people, I, I think it's a beautiful way of finding comfort and peace in a really hard and uncertain time. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I've come out of this a much more compassionate person um, because I was on the other side of that. I was on the judgy, I know everything, like I'm living the right way and you're not um, side of that. And so I can have some space and compassion for those who are still there saying, mm. like, that's not, that's not it. Like, and also you, I, I'm not also not saying you have to give up your religion no matter what it is to find that like there is a place where they can coexist um it didn't for me and that's just my experience um <laughs> but, but but it can and it should we should that should be something we work toward and if you look at any great religious leader or or god of whatever that you believe in there, there's always that space for compassion and understanding and, and empathy um, and, and sometimes I think we extrapolate on that a little bit too much <laughs> in our zeal. <laughs> totally agree. Wow. Well, this got off to a completely unexpected start and I'm so glad, and I'm really grateful that you shared that. So let's, um, I know we're going to end up coming back to that because at some point I'm going to want to know how this happened. Um, and that may not come up in this conversation, but maybe it will. But what I'd like to know is, um, now that you're in this different place and you have this business, when you think about what you're doing right now, the impact you're having use, through your business and the work that you do, can you tell a story about a recent experience at work, a client that you had that made you realize that you were in the right place at the right time, that this is this is where you were supposed to be? Because you you just glossed over this idea of purpose when you were talking about um, giving up that, that comfort of, of 
religion um, to that extent. So without telling me what you do, you're going to tell me what you do. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a great way to put it. Um, because I don't, when I, if you were to review our core purpose or our core values of our business, they don't mention the product that we sell or even come close to it. Uh, because that doesn't have anything to do with anything. It doesn't get you out of bed. It doesn't give you, um, you know, energy or, or, or purpose or, you know, vision at all. Um, I, I really believe, you know, getting to this point in my life and, and certain experience I've had that re relationships are the driving force, um, of everything in life. Uh, in some way we can always tie it back to our relationships, whether that be with, with yourself or with family or friends or, or a deity or, or whatever, it's going to stem back to a relationship. It's the reason why we do everything that we do. Uh, hopefully, um, <laughs> uh, it, it's just, you know, finding the right relationships to, to pour that energy into. Um, I, I'm far enough in the business now to where I don't interact a whole lot with clients. Um, and so I actually view my employees as my clients. Um, and, uh, or did I say that right? Yeah. Yes. They, they, that yeah. is refreshing. Okay. So <laughs> tell me about an employee that you had an interaction with that was like, oh, yes, this was so satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I recently just had a, a quarterly review with, with one of our managers and, and I was helping him understand what his role was as a manager, you know, cause he's, he's really, he's an incredible technician and he's a, a great supervisor and he's a hard worker. Um, but we're getting to this point where I'm, I'm, tr I'm trying to build him as a leader, um, so that he can do what I'm trying to do on his, in his realm. Um, and so we're having this, this conversation about, you know, what we had that, that same conversation. Why, why are you here? Like, what are you doing? What, what are you doing this for? Um, and, and, and I don't tell me it's for money. Like, I know that I know that we have to do, what we have to do to, to make it, you know, to pay rent and, and whatever to buy food. Um, but what, what are, what are you doing? What, what gets you out of bed? Um, and, and again, he talked about his, his wife and uh, not wanting, you know, wanting her to be able to come home and, and spend more time with their kids instead of work and, and, and having, um, opportunities for his daughter that maybe he didn't have, uh, growing up and, um, and, and time, you know, time to spend and, and growth. He wants, he wants to grow. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's helpful to go too much into the specifics of exactly what we talked about, but you asked, you know, what is it that I do and, and, and why do I do it? Him leaving that meeting, um, with just, um, it seemed like he was, you know, six inches taller with just a light, um, saying like, this is, I'm doing more than just putting, building plastic and metal signs, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm changing the world in my little way. You know, I have, he has five or six or seven people that he manages and he was so excited to go on and have that conversation with them to find out what makes you tick and how can I help? How can the business, this business help you get there rather than the other way around? Um, and, and feeling like I'm, I'm not just a supervisor. I'm not just a technician. I can be a leader and I can make a difference. Um, man, that was, that was better than any million dollar sale I've ever made. Um, as far as, you know, how I felt afterwards, like, yeah, we're, we're, we're making, I'm making a, a difference, um, in one person's life and, and, and it can spread out from there. And, you know, I, I'm 
if I can do that in my little sphere of influence, and if we all could try to do that in our sphere of influence and realize that we do have, that we do make an impact, um, it, it was, it's really rewarding uh, to be in a position of power, which is a huge responsibility, um, and to be able to use that in a way that I feel is productive and um, and and positive. Um, you know, be on the side of the force. <laughs> the the good side. Oh yeah. my gosh. I wish our listeners could see our smiles right now because I, like my cheeks are aching. I'm smiling so big because all of what you're saying, these are all things that I've been talking about for at least 10 or 15 years. Uh, the, the circle of people that I have in my close connections through LinkedIn and even here in Montana are all talking about this and have been talking about this, but it's, it's, rare to see it in action. So to hear your story of satisfaction coming from watching your manager walk out of the room feeling full of purpose and meaning in what he does beyond metal and plastic is just, uh, it's first of all, it's so refreshing, but there's so much more to it. It's, it's making my heart warm. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just, it's really meaningful to hear that. So now our listeners are probably super curious about what you actually produce to your company. So why don't it's, you just give them a little heads up? <laughs> it's really not, not exciting. It's signs. There's a, a little backdrop there. We're just a sign manufacturer. So we do make plastic and metal and lights and we what hang it on. Just a sign manufacturer. We're just a sign manufacturer. You oh, <laughs> you have to remove just from that sentence. I mean, and and here are two reasons. When when you say just a sign manufacturer, you are dismissing, first of all, the creativity and artistry that goes into that. Because you're you're turning and and bending metal and tubes and why and putting wires in and creating something that represents something that really is meaningful to a person. So for instance, I'm thinking about this new food truck that just came out in Helena, Montana a few months ago. It's called Habana 406 because 406 is our area code for the whole state of Montana. It's the only area code right now. And it has been, and people just fight tooth and nail to keep it that way. Um, But Habana 406, it's a Cuban um, food truck to a, a couple and their two daughters, young daughters that were um, that immigrated here to Montana and experienced extreme discrimination. Um, and they are some of the most kind and generous souls that you could ever meet. And they they moved here, they settled in here. They were trying to make do with jobs because they got their green cards and they were trying to make things work and raising their their daughters here. And finally, somebody helped them start this food truck to sell Cuban food, which is they're phenomenally talented cooks. Like I've eaten their foods for years and now I get to go buy it and support them in this way. Their sign, Havana 406, the, the signs that are attached, the artwork that's attached to that truck that's not just assigned to them, right? Yeah. And what you're providing through your work and your company and people who care about what they do because they understand the meaning of their work because you are leading it. 
that's not just a sign to the person who's right. ordering it. All right, fine. You got me. And <laughs> I just, I, you're right. And, and, and I, and I do have a lot more meaning than just the, the plastic and metal. When we're, when we're, we work with a lot of franchises um, across the country. Um, we've done work in all 50 states, actually. And so we worked with a ton of, of small business owners. And these are people who aren't just, they didn't just find, you know, have millions of dollars to invest. They mortgaged their homes um, or emptied their 401ks or reinvested a, an inheritance or, you know, emptied out a kid's college fund. You, I mean, I mean, but mo- in most cases, they right. at the very least personally guaranteed a loan to build out a new restaurant or something. And which means if it goes under there, they lose everything, their livelihoods. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of anxiety, of course. Um, and we're one of the first things to go up. We try to be, you know, very early on. And so, you know, they've, they've now they're in an extreme amount of debt. It's really stressful. They're trying to do a hundred things before they open hire employees and do construction and insurance and point of sale and order inventory, whatever. Um, it's really cool to see um, almost the monkey lift off their back when when they see the sign go up. The amount of pride that they have when it becomes real, and this is like, oh my gosh, like this is gonna work, like this is happening. That's yes. my plan. and and maybe this wasn't all for nothing. Um, and so there, yes, we're, we're doing we're doing more than that. What what a sign can represent is is uh, is an investment in risk and and uh, and you know, a hope for a better future, um, for small business, you know, entrepreneurs. And, um, that, that part is, is pretty rewarding to to see that. I'm so glad to hear you say that because it's meaningful to me. I remember even the first time I got my own business cards for my Mm -hmm. own business. So much pride. Yes. And handing them out to my mom, right? Like, mom, look at my new business card. And, there is something so powerful about seeing your label, your brand in lights, especially. I don't have anything Elkins Consulting Inc. in lights. <laughs> um, but maybe that's something I should be looking at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this, this is, is a picture of our of our building yes. there. Well, um, I'll do a screenshot at the end of this and we'll include it in the show notes associated with the podcast on the oh, website. Yeah. <laughs> that way our listeners can get a glimpse. If you go to elkinsconsulting.com, uh, listeners, you'll see Chase's contact information as well as the links to Silicon Signs, the name of his business. And hopefully if I can, I don't know, look presentable for even just a moment, we can do a screenshot <laughs> to include in that. <laughs> So coming back around, I, I'm I'm just loving the way that this conversation is taking interesting turns. When you left the church, were you already the owner of this business? Where were you in terms of your career when you left? Yeah, yeah, I was the owner of this business. Um, we'd, we'd been around for a few years, two or three years at this point, um, and I almost I almost left. Uh, the business. I, t- I talked to my business partner and I told him what I was dealing with. And I almost um, like I signed, I, I was about an inch away from signing a contract to open a few crumble cookies uh, restaurants out in Baltimore. So me and my wife had already gone out there. We'd like, we negotiated leases. We'd found a place to live. Um, and um, I got down to actually signing the contract with crumble. Um, and and so I told my business partner, I was like, Hey, I'm going to go do this. I have, I, I, it's something I feel like I need to do. Um, and he was like, 
okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, I'll do whatever I can remotely. Uh, but you know, this, and he, I mean, he was pretty understanding. He was like, all right, well, I guess we'll see what happens. Um, I got really close when, when it came down to, you know, signing the contract, I just, you know, had a, a, a bad gut feeling about it. Um, and, and this, this is a, a huge, you know, learning experience for me as well. Um, because a lot of times, you know, you have these gut feelings and when other people are involved and you feel like you're letting people down a lot of times, you know, at least in my experience, we just go through with it. And, uh, and then we can always look back and be like, Oh, I knew it. I knew I should have done that. Yeah. Oh, Why I didn't I trust me. myself? Right. Yeah. When, and whatever you attribute that feeling to, whether it's, you know, a, a, you know, the Holy Spirit Divinity or just or... your experience or Mother Earth or whatever, um, there's something there. There's, there's some, it's, it's hard to, there's some unexplainable power, whether it's a God or not, right. uh, that kind of, ha- kind of help us with those intuitions and everything. But this is one of those times where I, I felt so, um, it felt so empowering to just say, no, I'm, I'm not going to do this and to turn down the contract and to tell everybody I was working with and the brokers and everybody say, hey, we're, we're, we changed our minds. Um, but ultimately it came down to is, is I was running away. Um, I, I wanted to get away. I didn't want to face my family. I didn't want to face my friends. I wanted to go do this and figure this out from away from everybody. And then maybe I'd come back in a few years and then it'd be far. I just knew it would be far enough away that I would just be like, yeah, this is, I left and, and, you know, you're going to have to deal with it. Um, but instead I had to navigate that, you know, piece by piece and, 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 you know, conversation by conversation with family members and friends who are sad and disappointed and confused. Um, but yeah. Well, what that just said to me, that whole story is that, Whatever you left behind, you did not leave behind your sense of integrity that was built into you through those years. Whatever, whatever it is you you left, um, that stayed intact. And I think about this in in that whole nature versus nurture stuff. Is was that just part of you? Were were you born with that integrity, with that sense of facing the music when you make a decision? Or was that something that your parents raised you with and the community of the church that helped raise you? And it doesn't really matter where it came from. But I think to be able to honor that part of you that came out of that upbringing, regardless of what happens into the future, I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah, I I, I feel, you know, my my parents did did raise me n- not just you know through the tenets of the church, but my dad taught me a lot of life lessons. I mean, specifically about taking responsibility for actions um, and being honest no matter what. Um, and and honesty isn't just telling the truth to other people. Honesty is is something that's inside. You have to be honest with yourself before you can ever be honest with anybody else. Um, and yeah, and part of that is, is just accepting your stripes, your licks when, when uh, <laughs> you, you messed up or, or, or whatever. And, um, but yeah, I've, I've always felt a pull to just do what's right in that moment. Some people ask me, well, do you, oh, do you regret, you know, going on a mission, right? I went on a two-year mission to Arizona, um, when after my first year of college and actually had a really successful athletic career. Um, in high school, I, I was, um, I, I did really well. I got a, I, I got a scholarship to BYU as a decathlete on the track team. 
Um, and I was an all American there three times. Um, I made a, my, after my freshman year, I won the, na- the junior national championships for the decathlon. I went wow. to world championships for the U S I placed 11th there. Um, wow. Yeah. And then I left on a mission a few months later. Um, and I was out for two years. I didn't compete. I, I didn't stay in shape. I was just out proselyting and, you know, as missionaries do. Um, and I came back and I was, I, I it took me a long time to get back and, and I never fully did get back to where I should have been. Um, I mean, the, the people I was at the world championships with were a lot, most of them were at the Olympics and that was my childhood dream. I got, I want to be at the Olympics. I have it written down in journals from when I was, you know, 10 years old, want to be an, uh, an Olympian and win a gold medal. Um, and so a lot of people ask me, um, even people outside of the church, like, Hey, do you regret going on a mission? Uh, because I could, you could draw a pretty straight line between me not achieving my Olympic dream to going on a mission. It, it doesn't, right. it's not a huge leap. No, um, it broke up your training, like right oh, yeah. at a, a critical time for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But my, and my answer, I had to think about that. Um, and, and my answer is, is no, I don't. And the reason why is because even though I don't believe what I was teaching and proselyting to other people, um, in some ways, I even thought I even can look back and say, I may have, maybe I was doing harm um, in that moment. Um, but in the moment, I felt like I was doing my duty and what I felt was truly right, not for anybody else. Right? I gave up, I sacrificed a lot. This wasn't just like this pressure to go on because everyone's going to you know, think I'm a bad person if I don't. It's like I had a lot to give up. And if I wouldn't have gone, nobody would have, you know, a lot of people would have understood, be like, well, of course, he's training for the Olympics. Um, he's one of the best athletes we have to offer, you know, from the country. Um, but I went because it's like, this is what I'm doing for myself, for my God. Um, and I, I felt like I was doing what was right then. And I have to give grace to myself, my past self for that. Um, and, and, and even to my current self for, to my future self is if I can always try to just do what I feel like is right in the moment, um, then it's going to be really, it's going to be easy not to live with a ton of regret. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously I have some regrets. There's things that I've done wrong, but they're never, they're always tied to, I did it wrong when I knew it was wrong. I made the wrong choice on purpose. And that's, those are the things that I regret. I hurt this person and I knew Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have. Um, And, but it's, but I've never regretted something that I thought I was doing right. I just can learn from there and know that I've grown. I I love that. There's so much in that short story. And I just, I came back immediately to not having regret for something that you believed at the time was the right thing to do. And you truly believed it in your heart or you wouldn't have done it. And I know that because of the story about not moving to Baltimore. So clearly you have a sense of what is right for you at any given time. And I would I would love to remind our listeners too that regret really comes from um, not understanding the lessons that you have to learn from it. So when I was uh, in my 40s, I finally figured out what I wanted to do. <laughs> and I'm still exploring that in my 50s. But I remember saying something to a friend who was in her late 60s at the time. Um, I said, I'm I'm finally figuring out what I'm really good at and how I can make a positive impact. I just wish I had figured this out five years ago or longer. Like, why did it take me so long? And she said, Sarah, you couldn't be where you are now without those experiences. 
you couldn't offer the insights and help and excellent listening that you do now if you hadn't had those experiences of struggle and learning all those different things along the way. If you if you regret that, you're dismissing the lessons that you learned from it and the potential for helping others now that you've experienced it. Yeah. There's really no no substitute for time and experience. Just have to we all just have to do our time. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree with that. So Chase, um let's pull this full circle back to this whole experience of um doing things that seemed like the right thing at the time. Uh, you mentioned earlier, I just kind of want to end with this story that you told me before we hit record about your time in Billings, Montana, that you had come up to work with a friend's father's company. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Just a quick description of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was, I, I went out to sell pest control one summer and realized about a month into it that I hate it. <laughs> I was doing terrible at it, which is funny because I'm still in sales now, but I just hated bugging people and knocking on their door at night and taking them away for dinner to sell them pest control that they didn't even need probably. Um, and so I, I, I called up a, a, my old roommate and said, Hey, you got a spot for me. <laughs> He's like, yeah, come on out. Went out to, to Billings, Montana. And uh, yeah, his dad had a asbestos abatement company. And, and so we would, uh, we, we, we'd go out and do these projects, you know, whether it was a hospital or, or an old school and we'd zip up our Tyvek suits and, and block off all the air. And sometimes we were in boiler rooms and attics, um, you know, sitting in, in Montana summers and it, it was, it was hot, hard work. We'd do it. We'd work 16, 18, 20 hours a day sometimes to just knock out the project. And then we'd have an, a week after that to go play and go horseback riding and swimming and fishing and, and all that. So I had a, I had a great time in Montana. I'd, I'd go back in a heartbeat. <laughs> it sounds like an amazing summer. And, um, uh, so when you think about that summer, what's the image that popped into your head? Because as you were telling the story, I was imagining the Tyvek suits in an attic and a, a, a couple standing outside of the house, just like pulling, you know, biting their nails, wondering what's happening in that attic. That was like the image that popped into my head. So what is what is your image when you think of it? Is it the fishing and exploring or is it and is it like the actual work and the people that were impacted by the work you were doing? No, I, I usually remember things better than they happened. I, I, if I think hard enough, I'll remember, you know, s- sitting in a pool of my sweat inside of that, that Tyvek suit. But <laughs> no, I, I, I think of being out in a boat on, on the Yellowtail Reservoir, I think is what it was, and, and cliff jumping and, and spear fishing. Um, and yeah, I, I, I remember the good stuff. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But well, that I makes life so much more fun. No, of course not. And it made you who you are today. There are so many aspects of what you learned as a human being, being in those situations. And again, it just comes back to having compassion for others when you have been there. You've you've walked in those shoes in some way. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a fun summer. I love it. Chase, this has been such a treat. Um, I am pleased and kind of overwhelmed at the direction this conversation took. Uh, I'm going to listen to it. I don't always listen to the podcast episodes after they're recorded because I like to live in this moment of being in the conversation, but I'm going to listen to this one because I know that there are pieces that I I missed because I was listening for particular questions. 
And I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you for yeah. your time. Thank you. I've enjoyed this. I love what you're doing here too. This is this is a this is a good a good thing, a good undertaking to to yeah. spread stories and to 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 share stories. That's that that's that's the best way to to get get information to consume information in a story. <laughs> Textbooks are overrated. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there are times, of course, there's a time and a place for it. But um, yeah, I, and I think I think the, the critical factor here in, in these conversations is that everyone realizes that their stories really matter. And that um, if somebody is listening and they've done something similar, but they don't feel like they have any important stories to share, hearing your stories will trigger their stories and they'll start to remember those critical parts of their lives, the pivot points that helped them discover something new about themselves or realize that their purpose was different from what they had anticipated. And that's, it brings me great joy and it's such an honor to hold space for those stories. Yeah. Keep it up. It's awesome. Thank you. So for our listeners, you can follow Chase Dalton. He has um, all the links to find him are going to be in the podcast show notes at elkinsconsulting.com for this episode. Um, the company is called Silicon Signs. It's out of Salt Lake City, but they ship all over the country. And um, I hope you'll look him up and learn a little bit more about this really interesting, thoughtful, and compassionate man. Thanks for listening. Listeners, it's your turn. Think about a time where you made a complete 180, where maybe you had to grieve the loss of certain relationships in order to move on as yourself, to find that separation between who you were based on your parents, your upbringing, your environment, and finding that maybe those influences aren't all of who you are. Send me a quick note. Let me know if you find your pivotal moment or two or three and share them with me. Thanks for listening. Smile, what's the use of crying? You'll find that life is still worthwhile if you just smile.